Yeah, that means everyone just keeps talking. It's great. Okay. How y'all doing? I am uh, pleased to report that I am mostly over my jet lag. We got back from Cambodia this week. It was a great trip. And uh, yeah, I got a little sick. So, you know, I'm pretty much over it. But if you hear some, you know, pubescent, is that the right word? Uh, squeals, just know it's a cold. I'm not going through puberty. <laughs> it's over. So if you don't know, my name is Jacob. I, uh, I am not the pastor here. My dad is. Um, so, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. Because, you know, I can say anything. It's, you know, you don't have to have me back. It's great. No, I'm really excited to be here this morning. I'm really excited to share with all of you. Um, and, uh, yeah, how about those saints? Oh, too soon, too soon, right? So sorry, so sorry. Some of you cheered. You know, our associate pastor, he's a big Saints fan, so, you know, let him, let him know about that. All right, so I have some questions for all of you. I have some questions for all of you. This is super serious. There might be a quiz at the end, so you, you do well to pay attention. These are, these are very season-appropriate questions, very season-appropriate. So why did Frosty, the snowman, want a divorce? Anybody know? You guys should know. You're from Utah. This is a thing. Because he thought his wife was a flake. <laughs> Can't make that stuff up. It's pretty good. Okay, second question. I have a second question. Where does the snowman keep his money? Ah, see, you guys, man. A snowbank, yeah. Someone said it. This is, this is very disappointing. All right, third question, and then I'm done. This is, this is a tough one. What sits at the bottom of a cold Arctic Ocean and shakes? Snow bank. No, not a bank. The bank is over. We did the bank. The bank is done. A nervous wreck. Ha ha ha. All right. All right. Thanks for bearing with me. Again, they were, I thought they were season-appropriate jokes. I'm sorry to tell you, we're still in winter. It's a thing. We're still going to be there for a while. Although there's no snow, or very little right now, so that's kind of nice. So today, we're going to continue our discussion on risk. And uh, I, I am excited and a little apprehensive to share with you my story of faith. Because faith often involves risk. And when we're transparent and when we share our story of faith, or lack of, lack of faith in my case, it's risky business. Y'all might get judgmental on me. That happens, right? Oh, what did Jacob do? It's not so good. So yeah, I'm excited to share with all of you kind of my journey of faith and how the Lord has asked me to take risk. And if you think about it, there's kind of two different, two different types of people that sit on the spectrum of risk, right? You got the risk takers on one end, and you have the risk adverse on the other. You have people that that love, I think, that seem to love to take risk. And these people, they're often our heroes. They're the movers and shakers in our society. They're our entrepreneurs. They start new things. They often start new businesses. That's risky stuff. They dream big. They're the big dreamers. They just leap and don't look. They're always looking forward. 
They rarely look back. They're folks that often put everything on the line for their big idea, for their big dream. They throw caution to the wind. These people are pretty cool. I like these people. I don't really want to be one of those people, but I like those people. <laughs> and then we have on the other side, we have our risk-averse folks, the risk-averse. And they um, are what my dad would affectionately call the steady eddies. They're the people that are, you know, they're very reliable. They're good at maintaining things. They look before they leap. They're cautious. They're perhaps at times indecisive. And for those of us that are more decisive, their indecision drives us nuts. Some of you are married to these people. Just make a decision already. Right? They pursue the perfect plan. The problem is, is no plan is ever perfect, so the plan is never executed, but they pursue the perfect plan because they want everything to be a-okay. They don't want any risk. So what am I? What do you think I am? Well, I'm a different type of breed. I like no risk. None at all. I am cautious, at times to a fault. I say I like to count the costs, but I really like no cost. That's good. Some of you like that. See, you know, yep, somebody, no cost. They're singing, preach it, brother. You won't say that out loud. It's okay. You like no cost. I like no cost. I'm one of those people that thinks like past performance is an indicator of future success. So it's like, oh, if I did that in the past, worked out okay, I'm going to just keep doing that. That sounds good. Let's not change. Let's not change what's broke. It's good. Let's keep going with what's worked before. So what are you on this spectrum of risk averse to the risk takers? Are you a risk taker? Are you someone that hates risk? Do you embrace change and all the risk that comes with it? Change is hard. When we have to change, you know, it normally requires some risk. Do you find yourself often stepping out in faith, doing something new? Do you go looking for adventure? Or does adventure just kind of happen to find you? You see, if you call Jesus Lord, there's, some, there's good news and bad news. If you call Jesus Lord, if he's your boss, if you're following him, he's called you and I, he's called you to a life of adventure. A life that's extraordinary. A life that's going to take you places that you probably didn't imagine. Because his, the way he does things is not the way we do things. He does things differently. It's going to be a little risky. It's going to be a little hard. It's not going to be that easy. But it will be extraordinarily rewarding. If you don't call Jesus Lord, it's okay. You're off the hook. It's okie dokie. You can you know, do whatever, I guess. But if you call Jesus Lord, I believe he's calling us, all of us, to a life of adventure, a life that's different, a life that's extraordinary.
You see, all of us put together, his church, his ecclesia, we've been called out for a purpose. We've been called out together to embark on this adventure of following him. And our mission is super simple. It's so simple. It's like, it's super simple. Like, it's really hard to mess up. It's super simple, but it is incredibly hard. And that is to love God and to love people. And I don't know about you, but I find love is really, 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 really hard. It's easier for me to just be indifferent, to not love. Loving people is, is really difficult. Loving God's a little easier, I think, until he asks us to do something and then it's not so easy. But loving people is really tough and it's impossible to love God without loving people and it's impossible to love people without loving God. This is the creed that we sign up for when we determine, when we come to faith and determine to follow Jesus. You see, for me, there's two adventures, two adventures, two things that the Lord put on my heart a couple years ago. I'm going to talk to you about this morning. And they're kind of big things. And I don't think, you know, God gives us all big things. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But for me, they're really big things. Maybe you'll look at them and go, oh, that, Jacob, that's like, you know, that's easy stuff. But for me, they're really big things. And, and I've shared, I shared uh, probably a couple years ago about this. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an update. It's going to be a really short update. He's put two things on my heart. Two things that I think he's asked me to do. And they are, one, to bless people through business. And two, to spread the good news of Jesus. And I have found that these two things, for me, are really difficult. I have a dream to start a business one day. I have a dream to invest more of my life and effort, my time and treasure, into making Jesus famous. And about two years ago, I'm like, okay, God, I am going to do this. Or I'm gonna, this is going to be great. So I quit my job, took some time off, and I found that I was, like, super lazy. <laughs> like, I didn't move, I didn't do anything to move either of these things forward. Not at all. Oh, man. So what are we to do when we find ourselves? I mean, there was like, there was all this resistance, like, internally for me. Like, oh, I'd just rather, like, you know, sit here and watch Star Trek. It'd be really great. <laughs> like, they go on adventures. I can, like, live vicariously through, you know, other adventures. Oh, really, it, it was really hard. It was really difficult for me to start to sow in these things. So what are we to do? Like, what does God say about this? Does he have something to say about this? I think he does. I think he does. And I think one of the best pictures we could look at what God has to say about this is how the early church responded to the call of Jesus. What did they do when they encountered some resistance? In a nutshell, Jesus said, you know, go into all the world, preach the good news, tell them about me, baptize people. And then he left. And then on one day, he showed up big time. 
The gospel was proclaimed. 3,000 people came to faith. His early followers, earliest followers, Peter and John, they proclaimed the good news of Jesus. Peter had seen Jesus die. In fact, he denied him when he saw him die. Like, oh, I don't know that guy, that guy on a cross. He saw him rise from the dead. And then one day, he proclaimed the good news of Jesus and what he had done for us. And 3,000 people came to faith. And then, like a couple days after that, so 3,000 people came to faith. A couple days after that, they prayed for a lame beggar. He'd been begging for like 40 years. He was 40 years old. Every day in front of the temple. Every day. They prayed for him. And he was instantly healed. Wow, that's amazing. Now, what, what, the thing that we often miss when we hear about you know, Jesus healing people or his early followers healing people is that in Jewish thought, back in that day, they thought people were sick for a reason. They thought it was because of sin. Maybe it wasn't even sin they did. It could have been sin that their family had done. So when people were healed, I think Jesus was communicating something. It's like, no, sin is no more. I've made you well. The sting of sin is, you know, sin has lost its sting. I'm healing you. And then shortly after this, they were jailed. The religious leaders, the keepers of the old ways. See, Jesus was doing something new through this these early, these early followers. He was doing something new. And the old, the guys keeping the old, you know, the old guard, they did not like it. What the, what that, what are you guys doing? You guys stirring up a ruckus. People are believing in Jesus. This is not, and getting healed. This is not good. And shortly after, you know, this, this lame beggar had come to faith and was healed, another 2,000 people came to follow Jesus. So this was huge. We read in Luke, I'm sorry, we read in Acts, who was written, which was written by Luke, and if you don't know about Luke, that's okay. He was a doctor who interviewed eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And he was so convinced that these events happened that he quit his practice and he became a church planner. And he wrote down for our benefit in the books Luke and Acts what Jesus had done and said and the Acts of the early church. So Peter and John, they were jailed, these early followers of Jesus. They were called to account. They were called to court. The religious leaders asked him, he said, by what power, by what name do you do this? And of course, Peter replied, in the name of Jesus we do this in his name. And then he then, he then, again, communicates the gospel of what Jesus had done for them and for us. And they said, okay, well, knock it off. Stop talking about Jesus. This is, you gotta, you gotta quit. Stop it. And Peter replied, he said, no can do, amigo. Not gonna do it. I'm going to keep proclaiming the name of Jesus. So they went back to their friends, Peter and John, after they were released. See, they were afraid that if, you know, they kept Peter and John 
incarcerated, the people might revolt because a great many people were coming to faith. They were coming to believe in Jesus. So they, went, they, they released them. Peter and John went back to their friends, and they had reported what happened. And then they decided to pray. Now, what do you think they might have prayed for? No peeking. What do you think they might have prayed for? I don't know about you, but if I was them, I would have prayed for protection. Maybe for safety. Maybe for provision. That's like a Christianese for like stuff. Like, oh yeah, give us good stuff, Lord. <laughs> they might have prayed for a long life. I might have prayed for a long life. Oh no, Lord, I don't, you know. Long life. This is good. Maybe good health. What, what, what have you prayed for? Here, the, they were proclaiming the good news of Jesus. They were jailed. They immediately, you know, they immediately were confronted with opposition. They were immediately confronted with difficulty. What would have you prayed for? What they prayed for actually, quite frankly, surprises me. Because I don't think I would have prayed this way. So picking up in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it reads, this is how they prayed. It said, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed for boldness. Give us more, Lord. Just, you know, help us get better at this. Help us be bold. Man, I think we can learn something from the early church. Because I don't know about you, when I get a, like, a little bit of resistance, it's like, okay, let's find somewhere else to do. Let's do something else. There's got to be like a detour I can take. There's got to be like something I can, like, you know, a different road. Like, you know, if this happened to me, I think, left to myself, I would have said, you know, maybe there's a better way to like talk to people. Maybe we just, you know, pull them aside and, and tell them about Jesus. We don't like go to the, the, the middle of the city or the synagogues or, you know, the temples or anything like that. We, we just, you know, pull them aside and tell them about Jesus. We'll just like do it one-on-one -on -one style. Looking for, you know, I would look for a different, different method because I don't like resistance. You see, Jesus, I, I think, has called me to bless people through business and to spread the good news of Jesus, to share my faith more often with people. And during this kind of month, it was basically a month I had off. Like, okay, well, this isn't working. I don't have discipline. So maybe if I just like save up a little more money, I kind of get my head on straight, I, you know, I can do this. So I went looking for another company I could go work at. This is a good idea. So I quit my job, took a month off, went to go work at another company. And the company that I, you know, wanted to go work at, that, you know, was interested in me, they were doing really great. They were growing 100% year over year. 
They had a really aggressive new product roadmap. Like, you know, I'm excited about building products and stuff. That's, that sounded really exciting to me. They were going to double, triple the size of their team. Like, that's exciting. Like, yeah, this sounds like, you know, the bee's knees. I talked to their investors. They're like, oh, yeah, Jacob, you do great there. This is awesome. Um, you know, what can we do to get you? Like, oh, all right. Okay, well, maybe, Lord, I, I, I recognized it's time. Like, maybe this is like a little detour, but, you know, I'll get a little more money and more experience, and uh, it'll be good, right? It'll be good. Well, not so good. I came into the business and learned through a series of events, and I'm going to go through all that. If you guys want to talk to me about it, you know, later, I'm happy to share with you the sort of details. But the short of it is, the business was not growing 100% year over year. In fact, in the year 2017, it hadn't grown at all. They had retained only 67% of their customers. They had overstated the amount of money that they were making to the tune of 20%, which if you can appreciate, you know, that's a lot of money and a lot of people and has a systemic effect on budgets. It would be like, you know, you taking a 20% cut, and, you know, what do you do? That's really tough. It was like an unmitigated dumpster fire. It's like, man, I thought this was going to be great, God. What's going on? Not so great. But the Lord, you know, through that experience, has shown me a, a number of things, and I've learned a lot about what not to do in a business. But I still, you know, I confess, it, it was a detour for me. I probably, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. that's what they say anyway. I, I probably, if I had to do it again, I would not have taken the job. Because, I mean, you're going to learn a lot by what not to do just by looking at people. You don't actually have to experience it. Like, you know, you can just observe there's case studies about this stuff, like failed businesses. This is why people go to business school. They just read case studies about failures. Like, these are publicly available things. <laughs> don't have to experience failure to, you know, learn about it. You really don't. Well. But, you know, maybe you're like me. You're a little hard-headed. And, you know, detours look nice sometimes. This one looked nice. It was not nice, but it looked nice. So what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, Jesus tells us, fortunately, a story about a man who took a detour. And Luke wrote it down for our benefit. Um, it's in chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And he tells a story about, Jesus tells a story about two young men. And we're going to focus on the younger man who went to his father and said, Hey, Dad, I want an adventure. I'm kind of sick of what I'm doing here. Give me my inheritance. And his father, I would not have done this if I were his father, but his father gave him his inheritance. So, okay, here it is. So he gathered his inheritance, all that he had, and went on a journey on a, to a very far country. And while he was there, he squandered everything that he had. I imagine he had a pretty good time squandering everything that he had. But then a famine came over the land, and there was like, he had nothing. It was really bad. He had nothing. He was in need. 
So instead of going back to his father, he's like, you know what? I can still do this myself. I can still, you know, I've set my course. I'm going to go. I'm going I'm to make this work. So he went and hired himself out as like a caretaker of pigs that live in fields. And it says that he had longed to be fed as the pigs were fed. Like, that's how hungry he was. He was really hungry. But he's like, you know what? I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to care for these pigs. I don't care how stinky they are. But then he came to his senses. And he realized that his father's servants were treated better than he was feeding these pigs. He's like, I could at least go back to my father. I could at least go back to my father and be treated like a servant, right? At least I'd have bread to eat. So he determined to go back to his father and to plead his case, to say, yeah, I will be your servant. So while this young son was a long way off, his father saw him and felt something. What did he feel? No, no peaks, no peaks. I gave you the scripture, right? So I shouldn't have done that. That was bad. Fill in the blank. What did he feel? If you were, I see you guys looked. If you were his father, if I were his father, I'd be like angry. I'd be upset. I'd be disappointed. You guys looked. I'd be indifferent. I would have great displeasure. You know, it's funny. You know, there's like this look, right? I think women get it either at birth or at the time they say, I do, when they wed. It's that look, that look of displeasure. I get it more times than I'd like to admit. I don't know where it comes from, but it's, it's, it's this look. It's good. Mm. I don't feel like it's a good thing to be a recipient of the look, but that's just me. So yeah, you're right. His father, I mean, he could have reacted all different kinds of ways. He could have felt all different kinds of ways. But instead, he felt compassion. And the younger son pleaded his case. He said, I messed up. I'll be your servant. I'm no longer, in fact, he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father reacted in a surprising way. He said, bring, me, bring my son the best clothes. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And bring the good food out, the fatted calf. Kill it and let us celebrate. And then he said this. He said, for this is my son who is dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I think in this story, in this story, we, Jesus is communicating his heart towards us. You see, we, we take detours all the time. I do. Maybe you don't, but I do. It's easy to find them. It's easy to go our own way, to do our own thing, Yet Jesus is anxiously waiting for us always. The story says, while he was a long way off, 
Right? He's a long way off. He saw him and was filled with compassion. That's how Jesus sees us. You know, we think that we can do things that are like, that'll sever us forever from faith and from Jesus. I don't think that's true. He is always waiting, anxiously waiting with compassion towards us. He's asking us, will you say yes? Will you take some risk? And I've shared with you kind of my two, you know, risky goals. And I think that, you know, the Lord, you know, when he gives us something to say yes to, Jesus often will confirm those things through various ways. Sometimes he does it through people. Sometimes he does it through dreams. Sometimes he does it through um, his word. Sometimes he does it while we're in, in prayer. And, um, you know, for me, for those, like, you know, two goals, to, you know, bless people through business, start a business, to communicate the love of Jesus. The Lord has given me just these little breadcrumbs that have really confirmed those two things in my heart. For the first, for the, you know, bless people through business, I was at a men's retreat probably about three or four years ago. And the guy who was conducting the retreat who does not know me very well. He said, you know, I just have this, this impression, you know, from the Lord that he's going to give you ideas to start new things, and those, those ideas are going to make money. To which John Moore replied, oh, Jacob, we cannot wait to receive your offering check. <laughs> Gotta love John, you know. I think Betty's rubbing off on him, you know, to Lisa's point earlier. But, the, you know, that, that word, that was just a check in me. Yet still, you know, despite that, I, I, I had, a, you know, <laughs> I ran the other way. I'm like, oh, this is risky. Starting new things is really hard. For the second, sharing with Jesus, spending more time, you know, talking about him. I, uh, I gave, I think it was a prayer or, or something at my grandma's funeral, which was two years ago. And... Um, we had a, you know, kind of a wake after party, which the church was very helpful and supportive of. So thank you for those of you that, that were there and brought food and all that. That was a real blessing to us. One of my mother's cousins came up to me and she asked me this funny question. And she's unchurched. She may have been to, you know, uh, the Mormon church a couple of times, but she's generally unchurched. Doesn't know about Jesus, I imagine. Um, she asked me a funny question. She said, do you, like, talk at your dad's church, like, at all, ever? And I said, oh, well, you know, sometimes they let me talk. And, uh, and you know, I thought she would reply something to the effect of, oh, well, that was really good what you said. That was sweet. And most people do. Like, you know, that was nice. You're a good speaker. I'm like, oh, thank you. That was so, so great. Um, thanks for, you know, saying nice things about me. I like that. Um, but, no, what she said, what her, her reply to me was, was surprising, she said, Jacob, when you got up and shared about Jesus, I felt God. I was like, oh. Like, you know, for someone that talks about Jesus, 
And you guys, I got to be honest, like, you know, you give someone a mic and, you know, they're going to be, they're, they're like, on, I'm on my best behavior right now. Like, this is as good as it gets. You know, so we're like, oh, yeah, you're going to say nice things about me because, you know, I'm on my best behavior. But for them to see and to experience God, that was, that was a real check for me. It's like, no, God is doing something new. She didn't feel me. She didn't feel my funnies. She felt God. So, you know, I have to, say, I, you know, I have to take that back and say, God, what are, you, what are you trying to communicate to me here? What are you asking me to say? Yes, to. And that, that's the challenge, isn't it? The challenge is always saying yes to Jesus and to his invitations. That's the really tough thing. That's the really tough thing. And, you know, I, we just got back from Cambodia, and every time I go, I, I am... The Lord just impresses upon me the story of how it all started. So I'm just going to share that. If you don't know, I'm going to share with, it, with, with you again what the Lord has done uh, through our church and others in Cambodia. Many, many years ago, probably more than a decade now, we started as a church doing outreach to an area in Salt Lake City that had a lot of Cambodian immigrants. We were doing kids' programs and, you know, just fun stuff and trying to share and, and bless them with the love of Jesus. And it was a few people. It wasn't a whole lot of us. You know, there was a few people that, that did that. And I imagine, you know, that they could have done something else with their Saturdays and Sundays and, you know, whatever, right? They could have done something else. But instead, they determined to, I, I, you know, respond to Jesus and, and to go do this ministry, go share his love. And... Not too long after that had begun, um, two folks, their name Moni and Savi, came to this church, and they saw that there was a, a contingent of Cambodian immigrants here that you know, had been reached through some of the things that we were doing in this nearby neighborhood. And they were so impressed, they, they started coming regularly, and there were more Cambodians that came, which was pretty cool. And finally... You know, they started a church. We call it the Cambodian Vineyard, and they, they meet here uh, alongside of us on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. And through their ministry, through what they did, they've planted four churches in Cambodia. Now, I bet if we went back to those people that did that ministry to that little neighborhood, Oh, so many years ago. I don't think they would have said, oh no, this is going to blossom into not only a church, but four more churches, indigenously led churches in another country. They would have never said that. You see, folks, we don't know, we don't know where our yeses will lead. We're just called to say yes, to respond to the Lord, to take risk. Because we don't know where it's going to go. It may go nowhere. But it may, you know, turn into four churches somewhere else. And, you know, the amazing thing, and this is, you know, super precious to me because that's how I met my wife. Moni and Savi are her parents. And we have a kid on the way, which is super exciting. Yeah. yeah. We just don't know where our yeses will lead. We don't know where God is going to take us. 
So I've determined, I'm going to just confess to all of you, I've determined to say yes to these two things that I believe the Lord has called me to. I'm going to say yes. I've already started saying yes. In fact, it's funny, I, uh, I'm working on kind of transitioning out of my job now. I've got some part-time work to kind of cover the bills, and I'm excited to do something new. It's really risky and super scary, but I think the Lord's in it. And I'm going to see where he leads. So if you all can, you know, just keep me in prayer, that would be awesome. I'm going to invite the worship team to, to come forward. And while they do that, we're going to collect our offering and connect cards. We are a community-supported church, and we're very thankful for your sacrifice, your trust in us. I mean, anytime we give money, it's a little bit of risk. Anytime we put a, a prayer request on a connect card, it's, it's a little bit of risk. We're putting ourselves out there. So thank you. Thank you for taking risk. Thank you for your faith. If you all just stand with me, I'd like to just pray for us. Lord, we're just so thankful for the opportunity to know you, to serve you, to follow you, God. We pray, Lord, that the detours we take will become fewer and fewer, God. Help us say yes to you, Lord Jesus. Help us ask you more regularly, God, what you're doing. So, Lord, we pray that you would increase our faith. Give us boldness. That we might see people come to know you, come to faith. We might see the heavy weight of sin broken off. Those you love so much, Lord. Increase our faith. Help us take risks. Help us say yes to you. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to sing one more song. And as, as we do, I just want to encourage you to allow the Lord to, to, as the words just kind of wash over you, allow the Lord to bring to memory the things that he's perhaps asked you to do. The risk that he, the risk and faith that he's called you to. So let's sing. Yeah, so um, I think uh, we'd, we'd really like to pray for anyone that um, perhaps needs to experience the compassion of Jesus. It's maybe been on a couple of detours or two. And um, yeah, it needs to feel that that love and that compassion. So, you know, if you... Um, that's you. I just want to encourage you. We're going to end the service. I want to encourage you to, to come up and allow us to pray for you and rally around you and speak blessings over you. In fact, if you look here, this is, this is a Rembrandt of the prodigal son. That is 
a depiction of God's heart and his love for you. There is nothing that can separate us from his love. When we come back to him, he doesn't shame us. He doesn't call us stupid. He's not angry. He doesn't give us the look. He's full of compassion. So if that's you, if you'd like some prayer, we'd really love to pray for you. Just speak blessings over you. Lord's compassion over you. So go in peace. We love you guys. And um, I pray that as you go about your week, You'll, you'll, you'll be attuned, more attuned to the, the, the strings, the yeses, the things that, the invitations really that, that God is, that Jesus is inviting you into. So go in peace. I ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.